0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games... Welcome to Extra Point Taken. I'm Shil Kapadia. As always, joined by Ben Solak. We come to you every week after Monday Night Football, where this week we saw the San Francisco 49ers take it to the Arizona Cardinals 38-10. We probably could have started recording this podcast uh, at like the end of the third quarter, maybe the middle of the third quarter, but we're professionals. We waited until the end. Benjamin, how are you doing? How'd you enjoy that game?
1: Yeah, I feel like when we first sat down and started figuring out this pod, we were like, yeah, and if Monday Night Football is just super boring and there's no reason to watch at the end, we'll just like, start in the middle of the fourth quarter. And then all season, like good games or bad games, they've been close enough that we haven't been able to do that. And then I totally forgot that that was a plan until you just mentioned it. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> right. There was no reason to watch Trace McSorley throw red zone interceptions for as big of a Trace McSorley fan as I am.
0: Well, I have the reporter paranoia. So I'm always worried that even in a blowout, something's going to happen at the end and we will have missed it. And then we throw out a podcast and we don't have it in there. So that's good. We waited till the end. Hopefully everyone knows the format by now. Come on. It's, it's week 11's over. We're going into week 12. Hopefully you've been listening, but to our new listeners, here's what we do. We each offer three takes. We don't tell each other what the takes are coming into the podcast. And then one of us finishes with an extra point. We always start with Monday Night Football. So I'm going to kick us off, Ben. Here's my take from this game. I think this is the best 49ers team that Kyle Shanahan has coached. Agreed, 100%. Really? Oh, okay. I I didn't think you were going to agree. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, all I'll try to come up with something from this game. It wasn't the most eventful game, but I'm watching it. And I'm watching Christian McCaffrey have over 100 yards from scrimmage. And I'm watching Debo Samuel on the 39-yard touchdown. And I'm watching Brandon Ayuk with two touchdowns. And George Kittle with one. And then there's like two minutes left in the first half. And, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are like, oh, here comes Elijah Mitchell for the first time. And he just starts gashing the Cardinals defense. So listen, that 2019 team went to the Super Bowl. They were 13 and 3 record-wise. This team's not going to be as good defensively, probably not as good on the defensive line, but this offense, I mean, my gosh, I think this was the first game we saw it in full force. Not, you know, they played last week, they played the Chargers, but this was the first time you looked at it and were just like, how is anyone going to defend this offense? If everybody is healthy, I mean, they had a seven possession stretch in the middle of this game. They score five touchdowns and one field goal in seven possessions. That is unheard of. So uh, I said a few weeks ago, you know, I thought the NFC was a three team race with the Eagles, Cowboys and 49ers and really, the framing here is another way of saying this 49ers team looks absolutely like a Super Bowl caliber team. But I wouldn't be surprised a month from now, uh, five weeks from now, whatever it is, if those comparisons start getting made more and you can really look at it statistically that, hey, they might not have the same record as that 2019 team, but absolutely a Super Bowl caliber team that that talent wise is better than than that group.
1: Yeah, man, if you want your correct NFC playoff picture takes come to Extra point taken, man.
0: We were we, we knew through through the through the, through the, the one thing New we York got right.
1: Giant weather the Minnesota Vikings time so on and so forth. Man, we knew it's Cowboys Niners and Eagles. That's the whole that's the whole picture, and everybody else is just kind of incidental. The uh, EPA per play comparisons twenty nineteen to twenty twenty two for the Niners offensively uh, they were fifth in EPA per play that season. Right now they are eleventh. Uh, they were second in defensive uh, EPA per play allowed in 2019. Right now they are eighth. However, I think that I, I, I can't remember the week that Jimmy started starting and I can't filter it fast enough, but I, I feel very confident in saying this is the best Jimmy's ever played, which is very interesting. Really? There is a, yeah, oh yeah, in this, in this, for sure. There's much more, much, much is too grand. There is more. Like the uh, willingness to play out of structure creativity, uh, hanging in the pocket, deciding to make a different throw. Uh, McCaffrey helps him out so much because I think he feels so much more confident in his safety blanket than he previously did. And that, I think, emboldens him to hang on to the ball a little bit longer, emboldens him to try to buy some more time in the pocket. He says, All right, if I have to just kind of like chuck an inaccurate ball while I'm getting hit into the flat, it's not going to be second and 11. It's going to be second and six. So that's huge for him. But like, man, that first touchdown to Kittle, third and three, Breaks the pocket, starts scrambling, running horizontal on the line of scrimmage, buying time, unblocked man in his face. I My Jimmy sensors went off. Like, ah, this is a bad play. The second he went to throw that ball, I was like, goodness gracious, Buda Baker's house in this. I had no doubt. And then it's just Kittle in space. And, and he previously was not doing that for whatever reason. If there's some pseudo sports psychology that goes into it in terms of like him not being the guy and now he's playing on borrowed time and he's kind of, you know, auditioning for other teams. Like, I don't know what it is, but I, I see a player that is more uh, confident in his own ability to, uh, create off script than he previously was. And that's very much to the Niners' benefit.
0: See, I don't know that it is. I don't know that I want him doing that. That was a, that was a nice play today, but if you're telling me that's part of the 2022 version of Jimmy Garoppolo that's going to make him better than previous years, I would kind of go towards what you were saying earlier, what the sense was at the when he starts doing that with the play. And, and by the way, I mean, I think we know why that hasn't been part of his repertoire. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, we know, wants a robot back there, his ideal quarterback except for when he's drafting Trey Lance and seeing the possibilities. Once the game starts and the quarterback's on the field, he just wants the remote control. Look here, look here, do this, do this. He, he, I don't think he really uh, wants somebody, especially you know, if he had somebody else like Lamar Jackson, whatever, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I, I would even wonder what he would tell him in the film room this week about that play, but that's just my take on it. I mean, I, I don't know that those plays are going to end up with positive results more than negative results going forward. So what I would say to that is, it's, it's all cost-benefit, right? It's, okay,
1: the story on, like, scrambling quarterbacks, quarterbacks go to create outside of structure, is that they're inevitably going to, they're, they're, like, you know, they might create great plays, but they're also going to kill you with, like, bad sacks, bad interceptions, you know, uh, they're going to leave the pocket too early, and, like, what's our cost, what's our benefit? Is the juice worth the squeeze? This is where, like, you get on your Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield continuum where it's like Allen clearly worth it all the time. Kyler usually worth it. Sometimes you're like, dude, just sit in the like read out the pocket. And then Baker, where you're like, you are not an athlete. Like you cannot be playing like this. The, the thing with Jimmy in terms of cost benefit is that a robot pocket quarterback. Who's always taking like the safe throw, always executing the correct reads. Shouldn't throw the number of interceptions that Jimmy does. And has historically done over his time with the Niners, right? Like Jimmy has been a high interception quarterback without having like gamer throws, without like shooting the ball 20 yards down the field, hitting deep verticals, but he's still high interception. So Jimmy was giving you the second edge of the sword without giving you the first edge. So it's like, oh no, I don't know if I want him playing off script. I don't want him screwing around. What if he makes a bad play? he does that from the pocket man like that that's happening this is Jimmy period so if that means I get two more plays a game where third and three he extends and finds Kittle for a touchdown absolutely and yeah sometimes it's gonna look horrible but guess what sometimes Jimmy from the pocket like he tried to throw Debo Samuel into getting killed by Isaiah Simmons tonight right like he like he always has these throws so it's not like you're inviting more chaos that you previously didn't have in his play by having him be a little bit more willing to be off script like this is Jimmy. He's already doing this.
0: Yeah, I think he's looked pretty, pretty similar to previous years, but I liked your point about McCaffrey. And I think you or Ruiz made it uh, a couple of weeks back when the trade was first made that like the checkdowns to McCaffrey now can be pretty exciting plays. I mean, mm-hmm. they might not be an explosive play, but they certainly, they might be, yeah. and they might be eight yards. They might be 12 yards rather than four yards or, uh, or six yards. And so, uh, just having that, I mean, the, you just, again, tonight was just like every possession. There was someone different doing something. And then Trent Williams is out there and and the offensive line really played well tonight. That's always, when I look at how do you stop uh, the 49ers offense, I mean, one, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have those games where he doesn't look good, where, you know, he, he played well tonight. He's in a nice position to succeed, but he's going to have bad games. And then the other thing is there will be games, I think, where their offensive line can get overpowered, but that didn't happen tonight. So yeah, yeah. That, that team is uh, sitting pretty, looking ahead. I think they have the third easiest schedule if you look at unpredictable, which looks at kind of the betting market. So uh, they have a lot of winnable games on their schedule. I think they'll finish with a top 10 offense and a top, top 10 defense. I mean, it might be top five in, in one or both of those uh, categories. So uh, they are going to be a team that is a tough out in the NFC and certainly near the top of the list of contenders. All right, Benjamin, what do you have for your first take of the night?
1: Yeah, so we talked about this uh, uh, McCaffrey trade, what it's done for this team. Uh, I decided to go for right another trade deadline check-in. Early trade deadline winner. Three weeks in, no team has to be happier right now than the Baltimore Ravens because Roquan Smith has, like, fixed the whole freaking defense in Baltimore. Now, massive caveat time. Saints with Andy Dalton, bye week, Panthers with Baker Mayfield. I don't want to put too many eggs into this basket, but early in the season with the Ravens, we saw that they move on from Wink Martindale as so the defensive coordinator. They bring in Mike McDonald, this, uh, this uh, uh, you know, college-inspired defensive coordinator who's been with the Ravens before. He's a foot in the NFL, foot in college. He's going to run the modern stuff that everybody likes. and going to run quarters and sim pressures and light boxes, blah, blah, blah. And Then they draft Kyle Hamilton, and they sign Marcus Williams, and they draft David Ojabo, and they extend Tyus Bowser. And it's just like, man, it's a loaded it's a stacked roster. The, the Ravens struggled so much last year by, by putting themselves in bad spots with the heavy blitzes. This is going to be smarter. It's going to be better. And they walked out in week one, and it wasn't good. They beat the Jets. And then, huge game. They gave a ton of points to the Dolphins. They gave up 26 points to the Mac Jones Patriots. This was back when we thought the Mac Jones Patriots was like a thing. Right? Like If you give 26 points to the Patriots, you got problems. Gave up 23 points to the Bills, lost to the Bills. Like they were a bad, struggling defense. And there were a lot of issues with that. And I remember when we were talking about that defense, we were saying, you know, uh, McDonald just seems like he's in over his head. So much of running this in pressure defense, is like being really keyed on a tendency and knowing what protection schemes look like. He doesn't think like he knows where his spots are. And they started to make some changes. Like Kyle Hamilton was playing a lot of snaps, deep safety. they nixed all that. You look at his snaps recent weeks: all box safety, all overhang, all slot corner. He's not playing deep at all. All right, nice. Odafe Owe, second year player. They needed him to be this elite edge rusher right? They're like, Oh, Bowser gets hurt during camp. David Ojal was coming off injury. We need Odafi alway to dominate. It's not dominating for them. He was just really, really struggling in how he played. It was going from 90% of the snaps week, six, 57, week, seven, 55, week, eight, 56, week, nine, 57, week, 11, 40% of the snaps. Justin Houston snaps are going up, right? Bring in Jason Pierre Paul, bigger body. So they sort of change the way they look on, on, on the edges, right? Now Tyus Bowser comes back. He's been their lead, their, their leading snap getter at edge. And Bowser, and people don't know Bowser's names. So he was a second round pick. He was like a backup uh to like Pernell McFeens, Darius Smith. He's an in-house extension. So he hasn't been like a big name. Tyus Bowser's a doggone good player. It's like if you want 90% of, I was gonna say Hassan Reddick. He's I think he's better than Hassan Reddick. Like he's just a a, a tough, physical, smart run defender. He can rush the passer. He can drive against jack of all trades edge rusher for you. he's a Quality, quality player. Get Tyus Bowser in there. Start to solve the edge rusher problems. And like there's and Marcus Peters. It's like oh, so much stuff that's got like a little bit worse. They lose Marcus Williams. You know Stone is into so much stuff that's just been like approving and coalescing and coming together over eleven weeks. The issue was Patrick Queen. The issue was this this talented linebacker who was just trying to solve the entire defense from the middle. He was the only impact player that had at the second level. He's a bit of a guesser. He's a bit undersized, just flying around, making impact play to get picked on in coverage. He was just, it was just, the water was at his shoulders. So you could just tell it was just too much on his plate. Since they got Roquan in the building, Patrick Queen looks like the best linebacker in the league. Like all he has to do right now is run and chase. It's awesome. It's such a cool example of how like linebackers are connected, right? Patrick Queen's the weak side linebacker. Mike Josh Bynes was the Mike. He was like the, the strong side linebacker. He just wasn't enough. Just couldn't keep Patrick Queen clean, like Queen play the way he wanted to play. Wasn't an, an impact player in coverage. They had to drop Queen a little bit. Like it just, the the continuity wasn't there. You get Roquan in the building and he just, He knows tendency. He knows the feel of the game. He knows spacing. He can sniff it out. Like you can see him pointing stuff out. Young stuff. It's his second game in the in the in the defense. He's moving guys on the line. He's shifting dudes over. And he like Patrick Queen had a beautiful TFL that was just all Roquan. Just Roquan shoots the gap, takes on a blocker, makes the first contact, slows the back, and then Patrick Queen comes and cleans it up. Right. This was one of Queen's best games. He's all of his tackles within one yard line of scrimmage. Had like a pass breakup. Had a forced fumble. Just an incredible game. But so much of it is just because Roquan's putting him in easier spots. There's There's been such a beautiful coalescence in this Ravens defense over the first nine weeks of the season, get a little bit healthier, Calais Campbell settling in, just so much stuff working better. And then they just, just in classic Ravens fashion, just cherry on top of it with Roquan Smith. Just like the perfect addition to seal up the last little thing. So yes, 13 points against the Saints, Andy Dalton, three points against the Panthers, Baker Mayfield where I, I'm not telling you the Ravens or the, the Niners and the Cowboys and their defense are going to win them a playoff run. I'm here to tell you that they've figured out the liabilities on that side of the defense. Like, my, McDonald was a problem for them in week two, week three. Like This defense was not ready for the playoffs. It feels ready for the playoffs. Offense, they still got stuff to figure out but this Ravens team feels so much steadier than they did earlier in the season. Roquan's a big reason why.
0: Yeah, definitely defensively. I think I was very bullish on their defense coming into the season. And then, like you said, it started off really poorly. And I was yeah. like, all right, Shield, that was a terrible, one of my first pieces for the ringers, uh, for the ringer ranking, the projecting the defenses for the year And I had the Ravens up there, I think in the top three or the top five, and they come out and get smoked. But you're right. I mean, it's, you know, you never know when you add a new guy in. All right. Because you always remember those. There's always stories. Well, you know, then, it usually takes to the offseason. Well, it took him some time to learn the system. It hasn't looked that way with him so far. You mentioned it; he had seven tackles uh, in that game. Patrick Queen had twelve tackles. So it's a it, like you laid out there. It's a good example of how a guy being asked to do certain things that he can't do. And then you kind of change his role a little bit and he's still a talented player. He might still be the guy you thought you were drafting high uh, years ago. And he starts to develop into that, uh, into that guy you thought you were getting. So yeah, they have talent on that side of the ball. I don't know what I, how I feel about the Ravens. I mean, they're seven and three, they've won four in a row. I do think one of their strengths is going to be, they can win in different ways. And that goes to what you were talking about. There could be weeks where their defense comes out and dominates. There could be weeks where they win with special teams. And then there could be weeks where their offense clicks and looks good, even though it did not look good at all in that Panthers game, where it was three, three going in to the fourth quarters. So that's a good one.
1: The Ravens offense. I can't talk about it because I'll get so frustrated. We will not be able to finish this podcast. They gave Next Devin week. DuVernay like 90% <laughs> of the snaps and he had like one catch and one handoff and after the game. Like, yeah, we got to get Devin DuVernay the ball more. He's your only receiver it, but with any legs at all because Rashad Bateman's gone. how did you not come into the game? Oh, we got to get Devin Duvernay to the ball more. Who were you thinking you'd give the ball to instead of DeMarcus Robinson. You know, apparently. like DeMarcus Robinson. What a game. see if Deshaun Jackson's hamstrings are enough for 15 plays. Yeah. Get some James Prochet with his weirdly big hands for his frame. Uh, He's the only receiver you have with talent. Drives me up the wall in this offense.
0: They don't have a lot of of, uh, options. As we've discussed here, it has to be a lot of Lamar kind of putting the offense uh, on his back. I mean, DuVernay is a nice player, but I don't know that they go into a week saying we got a game plan touches for him, but maybe they will. All right, let's get to my second one. I think Sunday marked the end of the Zach Wilson era with the Jets. I'm not telling you that means he's never going to take a snap for them again. But I think whenever this thing ends for Wilson and it will end, it could end this week. We don't know. Robert Sala said, you know, he might go to a different quarterback this weekend. That is probably, you know, if you looked at the percentages, the most likely scenario, because usually if that's not the case and you're sticking with the guy, you just say you're sticking with the guy. And he did not say that. So whether it's this week, whether it's later this season, whether it's the offseason, season. Whenever the Zach Wilson era ends with the Jets, I think we're going to look back at this weekend as kind of the turning point. I mean, six first downs, 103 yards, the lowest totals for any offense in the NFL all year long. If you watched it, he's scrambling. He's taking sacks. He's inaccurate. He's lost. You name it. He could have been picked off two times. About a third of his passing yards came on just a prayer down the left sideline to Denzel Mims. But it wasn't just one game. I mean, Zach Wilson, you can talk yourself. If you liked him in the pre-draft process, you're probably making some of the excuses that we hear all the time because it's hard to let go of those impressions sometimes. But he's been a bad quarter, He's been one of the worst starters in the NFL this year. He's 33rd out of 35 quarterbacks in EPA per pass play. And a lot of the excuses we generally make for young quarterbacks who are in their first or second year in the NFL don't really apply Zach Wilson. I mean, if you have eyes and you watch this Jets team, he is what's holding them back. Their defense is phenomenal. Their play calling, they're making it, it's a very quarterback friendly scheme. They have talent at wide receiver. They have a run game. The offensive line was injured, but it is good enough for a quarterback to succeed and he is what's holding them back. And he hasn't really had the highs, the flashes you would look for from a second year player. Like his highs are basic competency. The way, I, the way I've seen it this year, I mean, I have never really watched him and gone, ooh, if they can just bottle that up for an extended period of time, oh yeah, that's going to be the guy. I haven't seen it. Maybe others have seen it. Maybe he'll improve. Maybe this will be old takes exposed three weeks from now when he's lighting the league on fire, or three years from now when he's lighting the league on fire. It won't. Don't worry about it. You're good. You're in the clear with this one. He ain't no caveats on this one. I think I'm good, but... I just feel like the way he handled that after the game, and I do think sometimes as media, we sort of make too much about what a guy says at a press conference, but I think that really mattered because when you look at an NFL locker room, generally 50 of the guys or 52 of the guys Thinks that the quarterback gets too much credit when the team wins and thinks that you know the quarterback gets too much attention and too much money and too much notoriety. And so it's a very fragile relationship. I mean, there's a reason why, Mm -hmm. like you see Jimmy G out there, and it stands out how much he kind of gets along with the rest of the roster. Cause that's not the case. Huge
1: part of Jimmy G. Yeah,
0: that that's not the case in most of these organizations. So when you come out after a game like that where My gosh, that Jets defensive line was getting after it, playing their butts off uh, the entire game and you have produced 103 yards, and then you say you don't feel like you let the defense down and you point to the wind as a factor on some of these throws, I mean, come on, that is not going to sit well. So you add it all up, and I just feel like whenever the end comes, again, it could be this weekend, it could be weeks from now, it could be the offseason, whatever, we're going to point back to Week 11 and this infamous game against the New England Patriots and the postgame comments where it all went wrong for Zach. Wilson.
1: Three weeks ago, after they lost the first Patriots game, this is when they were on like a winning streak and lost to the Patriots. Robert Sala was asked point blank, he was like, Did, they were like, did you ever think of pulling Zachter in this game? Because it was a game where he had, he had three picks, right? Two of them on like throws he was like kind of trying to throw away, but also not really. Yes. And Sala was like, No, I never thought about taking him out. And then he was asked, Is this a situation where, independent of how he plays, good or bad, Wilson's going to take every snap for the rest of the season, barring injury? And Sala went, Correct. And then three weeks later, Saul said, I don't know if my quarterback is this week. What were you thinking, man? Like, it's like, and like, no one's going to care about that, that. I'm the only person who's going to get I don't care first. about
0: that because what's he going to, you really don't want to say anything until the moment where you're ready to make the move. That's why I think he's good. probably going to make the move.
1: Yes, but at the same time, last year, Mike White beat the Bengals, and they asked him, they were like, hey, is White going to start when Wilson comes back? Yeah. And he went, anything's possible. And that's that's my thing. is It's not about what you say. It's about the consistency of what you deliver to the locker room. And that's why I think Salah's backs up against the wall here with this decision. Is because since day one, when Sala arrived in that building, he preached a gospel of, like he's he said this multiple times. You can find this quote in multiple pressers going back to the beginning of first year this year, where he says the only difference between player A and player B is reps. He says this is the NFL. If you get if you get time, if you get opportunity, that's that's the only like the only difference, right? If you if you if you get a chance to play, you deliver on those reps, you develop on those reps, you're gonna get better, right? Like he's a very big like you put in the hours, you're gonna get the product back, right? We win, we earn reps here with the New York Jets. And Zach Wilson's not earned reps. Is active, like you said, an active detriment to the team. And the watch them play is so important because people love like, like I, if I see another Zach Wilson from the clean pocket stat floating around on like articles and Twitters and broadcasts, I'm going to lose my mind, right? It's like, you know, hey, seventh in the league and completion percentage from clean dropbacks. I'll watch a film, man. A clean dropback means screen. Clean dropback means right. the bubble, like RPO. Like anytime he has to drop back, he can't handle it. And it's, and I've honestly, I've found watching him so interesting relative to watching like Justin Fields over the course of this season, because through like any and any metric we got EPA per play, DVOA, completion percentage over expectation, whatever hoot you want, and wins, people like quarterback wins. Uh, Wilson's been a better player than Justin Fields this season. You watch them at any point this year, and it's just very clear the difference in the two players in terms of the throws they can and they can't achieve, the way they see the field, the way they try to handle. Like certain down and distances, like the the toughness aspect of it, the aggressiveness aspect of it. Wilson hasn't shown me a a thing since starting for the New York Jets to indicate that he'd be a a quality quarterback in the league. And I know Jets fans don't like me because I've been saying that since last year. I mean, this 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 is the 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 fruit of the of of your labor, right? I mean, like Mike LaFleur, this talented receiver room, this very well coached offensive line, has been trying to find ways to cover for this guy for a year and a half. It's just the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like you have to move on.
0: Yeah, I try not to read. You know, rookie NFL quarterback seasons are usually going to be very difficult and can be very ugly. So I try not to draw conclusions there, but it's kind of, you know, the field comparison is a good one because I didn't have really that strong opinions on either guy coming out the fields this year. I mean, if you're a bears fan, you can absolutely identify the highs, the peaks saying, Oh my goodness, look at that ability that he's got on this play on this possession. I mean, they had a four or five game stretch where they had the top five, top eight offense in the NFL, and that was due to a lot of different things, but there hasn't been anything like that with the Jets. And if you're an organization that's lost as much as the Jets have lost, and whether this is ownership, GM Joe Douglas, uh, coach Robert Sala, fans, whoever, like you have an opportunity. I mean, their playoff odds right now are just under a coin flip. I think they're around 45% uh, percent or so. They're right in the mix there for a wild card spot. And given the way last week went, and how he handled that in terms of accountability. Like, if you were thinking about making a move, I would think you would just kind of look at it. And, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. They've been a better offense without Zach Wilson than with Zach Wilson over two two years. That's just a fact.
1: Yeah, this is the big thing for me. See, like, their playoff odds are a coin flip. You got to make a move. To whom? I'm very interested to see to whom. Because since the three quarterbacks have been healthy, Mike White has been the number two. Flacco's been the number three. Per depth chart per Sala. And they asked, like, why is White number two? And Salah's like, because we want to see what the young guy has, which I don't really get how making him two is seeing what he has, but whatever. Yeah. If you want to win games right now, make the playoffs, it's Joe Flacco, right? <laughs> like it's not Mike White. I don't know. Is it definitely? I I given what you saw from Flacco this year, I feel like it is. I don't know. And, but, and listen. I don't like the way that that makes me
0: feel in 2022. I don't like saying that out loud. I know. That doesn't make me feel good. I couldn't say yes. I was not going to give you a confirmation. Uh, You could have said Joe Flacco or uh, Steven Ruiz or Nora Princiati. (laughs) uh, I don't know. Do they have to go with Joe Flacco? I don't know. (laughs) That's just how I feel.
1: How old is Joe Flacco? You got a guess?
0: 37.
1: Oh, on the nose. Shio sports sports podcaster over here. Round of applause. When's his birthday? January 16th, got only by a couple months. It's just, if we see Joe Flacco starting a playoff game in in 2023 <laughs> the year of our lord on his on his 38th birthday we're in a dark dark place man i ain't mean,
0: good and in terms uh well you know what though you, we we joke about that but jets fans that would be great for them you know what yeah. you get to you get another weekend of football you get to make the playoffs other fan bases organizations take it for granted and that would be fun for them and then you can figure out your longer term plan after the season but i would think that they've got eyes there like we've got eyes they look at how Zach wilson's playing and They've got to figure it's almost time, or it is time to make a move. All right.
1: Here's the final, the final fun Jets question. Dolphins are seven and three. Bills are seven and three. Patriots are six and four. Jets are six and four. So they're game back. What's this team's record if they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo in July?
0: In July, what, what's their record now, or what's their their final record? I mean, they'd be a playoff team. There's no doubt. Yeah,
1: but I'm I'm saying right now, what would the AFC East standings be? Seven and three, seven and three, six and four, six and four. Right now. I mean, I think the Jets would be like nine and one, man. <laughs> like if they had Jimmy all season, I think they'd yeah. be maybe two, 2 loss team max. It's a swing and a miss.
0: Yeah, they could be. Yeah. They I I mean, I was gonna say seven and three, but then I'm going, wait, they'd have more than just one more than one win. I mean, right. they probably would have won that game. I mean, their two Patriots Sunday.
1: losses have both been because yeah. Zach Wilson has been the starting quarterback. There are no right. ifs, ands, and buts about that. They've lost to the Patriots yeah. twice. Both times it has unequivocally been because of who the quarterback is. The other losses were 15 point loss to the Bengals in Week Three. Flacco was the starter. 15 point loss to the Ravens in Week One. Flacco was the starter. In those games, they scored nine and 12 points.
0: Yeah, you could easily make the case they win two more games. I think they're nine and one, man.
1: Undefeated
0: New York (laughs) Jets with (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh my god. This episode of the Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. All right, football fans, the good neighbors over at State Farm wanted me to let you know that you really don't have to get that personal to get the personal price plan. Seriously, there's no need to tell anyone that you still sleep in an old school pair of your team's pajamas or that you have a breakfast ritual on game days that you insist results in a win. You know, I was just thinking about that with my dad. He hasn't taken off that Eagles Super Bowl hat in years now. I don't know if that's superstition or he just really likes the hat, but whatever it is, that's right, the State Farm personal price Price plan simply helps you create an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm personal price plan. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability and eligibility may vary. All right. What do you have for your second take?
1: All right. The second take is this Detroit has right at the ship. The lines are fine. The there was that panic button, right? There was that moment in Lions' record; they were like two and six. It was uh, uh, Dan Campbell's through twenty games is a worse record than that Patricia had through twenty games. Ownership is needing to be cajoled. They had you know we're we're firing Aubrey Pleasant. We're making changes on the roster, like you know uh, this, that, and the other thing. The vibes were bad. And I live in Michigan. I interact with a lot of Detroit fans. My line at the beginning of the season was always. Listen, they're going to win six games, but the vibes are going to be so much better. Ringer podcast word. The vibes are going to be so much better in Detroit than they have been in previous seasons. They're going to win six games, but it's going to feel a lot better. It didn't feel good four weeks ago. Man, it feels a lot better now. Here's a, here, here's, here's a, a stat that I think is very important. In weeks one, two, three, and then eight, nine, 10, 11, i.e., weeks that Amon Ross St. Brown has played. The yes. entire game. Jared Goff is fifth in EPA per dropback. Uh, those, those weeks goes Tua, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Jared Goff. Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence behind him. That's nuts. I don't know how this works. but Actually, I, I kind of think I know how this works. But Amon Ross St. Brown is like a fringe top 25 receiver. And also like a top five most valuable player in the league. you like a very odd, odd thing. But he is so important to this third down offense where he is automatic and Goff trusts him. Like, like Goff is the king of blind trust and he has never trusted it. He didn't trust Cooper Cup like this, man. Like it's just where's 14, where's 14, Throw it to him contested into the sideline underneath yards after the catch. Just Amon Ra, Amon Ra, Amon Ra, unbelievable player on a money down. He's a high caliber blocker. He's an inside and outside guy. He can run deep. Like I said, he's a yak threat. They give him touches in the backfield. Like, he is emphatically mini-cup. Like, like the whole, like, oh, Justin Jefferson's going to be in the cup role. Jefferson does not play the cup role in this Vikings offense. It's not happening. Alman um, Ross St. Brown is, to the Lions offense, what cup what has been to this Rams offense. To me, that's, that's, like, I, that, that's the, the clearest connection that I see. So, having him has been integral. Now, DJ Chart practice last week, coming off injured reserve. The, today, Lions reporters announce Jamison Williams that practice. The troops are coming.
0: Reinforcements My over there. wide receiver yeah. in last year's We we, draft, we yeah.
1: ain't, ain't, ain't got to throw to Tom Kennedy no more. No more Trinity Benson. We can, we can put these days behind us. They actually kind of like Tom Kennedy. I think they're going to keep him. But like the uh, the <laughs> we're there. They're going to get the, the weapons that they always anticipated having, right? Chark's been on injury reserve since week three. Monron St. Brown's been banged up. DeAndre Swift's another great example. Like He's supposed to be the starting running back into the season. He gets little nagging injuries again. And they go, you know what? We're going to live on Jamal Williams. And they right now, by DVOA, are the seventh best rushing offense. And Jamal Williams is clearly the starter. Like, Swift is still banged up. But this past game, the past two weeks, Williams has been the plurality taker in terms of snap counts. Because... They put him on the field. They put Swift on the field. They put Justin Jackson on the field. They have this three-headed backfield. It works great. Right now, by DVOA, they're 16th. Overall, 10th in offense. 13th by pass, 7th in run. This is a functional offense. Defensively, last few weeks have been consistent game planning, at the very least. They've been trying to be like nine different things, and now they're just like, all right, we're going to be the Saints. We're going to be like, you know, we're going to run our four-down stuff. We're gonna play our man coverage, we're gonna play our match stuff, and then we get to third down, we're gonna throw crazy pressures at you, and Aiden Hutchinson's gonna drop, and John Kaminsky's gonna cover a guy. We're gonna have Julian Oquara running with Tyreek Hill. Like some of this stuff's gonna look goofy, but we kind of have to do it because we're not super talented, and it's getting them opportunities to make high impact plays, right? Like Aiden Hutchinson, when they drafted him, they didn't plan on him having two picks, but that's where you arrived, and you gotta kind of live on that world. And they've done a good job of just like settling in and being like, all right, we're gonna be a little bit of a chaos defense. I, I've talked about it a lot. Jeff Okudis had a really nice season. They hit with Malcolm Rodriguez. Tracy Walker goes down. Third round rookie Kirby Joseph. Safety out of Illinois. Oh, baby. They got a live one. They, uh, he's, he is rough around the edges. He is a rookie, but he is fast. He can hit. He understands where the ball's going. They got they got real players on, on all three levels defensively. Now, four and six. Let's, let's, uh, let's do a little peek at the schedule, shall we? Because the Lions' upcoming schedule is handleable. Buffalo at home on Thursday.
0: <laughs> when does it start to get handleable? Yeah.
1: I have a little bit of a belief in my heart that they actually win that game, but we'll just skip over that for right now. Next okay. week, uh, home against Jacksonville on the long week. Uh, then they get home, Minnesota. which going to be a very interesting game if we see Minnesota after this Cowboys game. If we see they kind of bounce back or if they skid, that's going to be an interesting one. Then, at the Jets, we don't know what the Jets quarterback situation is going to be. At the Panthers, we don't know what the Panthers quarterback situation is going to be. Uh, home Chicago. We don't know what the Bears' quarterback situation going to be. Justin Fields got a, a allegedly dislocated shoulder per the team, but Ian Rapoport saying it's not a dislocated shoulder. I don't know what's going on there. Week eighteen at Green Bay. There's a very real chance this Lions team ends up like eight, nine, nine, and eight, right? If you lose to Buffalo and you lose to Minnesota and you sweep the rest of that that schedule, that's a nine and eight end of the season. I think the Lions are going to. I don't think the Lions are making the playoffs or anything like that. They're like a five 14%. and two
0: the rest of the way. You're saying for nine yeah. and eight. Okay, yeah, I like they're it. healthy. I'm they're healthy. There. I, I
1: didn't even get like Jonah Jackson who is like gone in the season back Frank right now gone a little bit the of the season back like they are much more settled health wise. Uh, I, I think they're gonna be like that team that's always on the bubble. Like it's gonna be like week 17. They're gonna put up the NFC playoff picture and they're at like 10 is gonna be lines with like, you know, 2% chance to make it. So it's not like they're gonna be like, in the playoffs. But again, the, the vibes, the feeling, the momentum is going to be so much more positive. And that the spearhead to this is that right now, this is from uh, Jeremy Raisman of Pride of Detroit Rams draft pick, 42% chance to be a top five pick for football outsiders. So the yeah. spearhead of the vibes is okay, nine and eight, eight and nine, seven and 10, screw it, who cares? Top five pick, this quarterback class, the way this offense has been working, offense coordinator Ben Johnson getting some hype. I, I think that the, the Detroit had an early season scare where it was like, wow, this, this Dan Campbell thing might really just fall through. And I think he rallied the troops and he circled the wagons. I think they, they knew that they had something good. They just had to get a little bit healthier. Got a Monroe St. Brown back in the building. And this thing seems primed for a good winter, strong wins. They have like a Vikings game, a Bears game, a Packers game, beat some divisional rivals, play some spoiler, stay in that playoff hunt. What We, we want to know every week. And then whenever the season ends, week 18, week 17, whatever it ends up being, you sit down and you go, oh, we got the fourth pick in the NFL draft. And then you really, you really get ready for 2023 to be the year of the trampoline springboard this thing.
0: Yeah. And so much of this is results oriented as much as people like me want to be like, well, one score games or DVOA, or they're not as good as their record is. I mean, the truth is, and, and you might disagree with this, but I don't know that they're like a significantly better team now than they were in some of these games Earlier in the season, health stuff aside. I mean, you know, they lose to the Vikings 28-24, they lose to the Seahawks, 48-45, they lose to the Eagles, 38-35, they lose to the Dolphins, 31-27. I mean, they were just getting crushed in those kind of one score right. I don't think they're that, that much better.
1: I think that because they kept losing, because they couldn't string together those final last second wins, the f- the feelings were bad. It was like, oh no, we're going back 100%. down the The pressure now, was on. It, you just you just feel better. Like Dan Campbell got his first road win last week. He got his second road win yesterday. Like, you know, like like they're just like the building blocks are getting put into place here. And that's I think that's why the things just feel a lot safer. Like the lines are four and six. Right. It's like a it's like a four and six, like wipe the spread off sweat off your brow four and six.
0: Yes, because it could have gone either way with going into that Packers game where even that game, you know, you get a couple uh, red zone turnovers the week a week later. I mean, the Bears were up by what two touchdowns or something in the fourth quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. They were in full control and then the Lions come back and win that game. You know, yes against the Giants this week. Now uh, they controlled that game the entire time, but yeah, and the Giants
1: are a huge one because we talk about like we, you know, how legit are the Giants? What's the record mean for the Lions to be a seven and two team means a ton in that locker room. Yeah, like, that was a on the winning road. playoff team and they, they controlled them four quarters. That's huge.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So as much as uh, you know, the one score games and you look at point differential and all that, that's easy for me to say if you're in the building and a coach or a GM and a player, you're like, I don't care about that. I would like to win some games here. And now they look more like that team than I think a lot of people expected going into the season. I wasn't as high on them as other people were. I thought they were probably, you know, like a six or seven win team, but kind of like what you said, I thought if they can get some pieces in place, get some improvements from the young players, and then draft a quarterback in the offseason, that's the ideal scenario for them. And it's really setting up that way. I mean, if they can just be competitive the rest of the way, maybe they win a few games, you continue to develop uh, guys, uh, guys like Okuda, guys like Amon uh, Ross St. Brian. It's funny. I didn't know those numbers with St. Brown, but every week when I sit down to do my picks and I get to the Lions game, I go, all right, is what did St. Brown practice? Is he playing or not? Because when he plays, it feels like their offense is absolutely able to move the ball. They do some good stuff Schematically, I mean, you really have to say, you said 10th in offensive DVOA, right? I mean, overall, they 10th with
1: Amon Ross St. Brown playing, Jared Goff is fifth in EPA per dropback. I like, yeah. like that. I
0: checked the filters 19 times. There is yeah. no way, but it's true. <laughs> That, that's that's good coaching. That's maximizing the talent on the roster. I mean, if you're producing a top 10 offense with Goff at quarterback and you know the other pieces that you have, which are not that great, uh, that that is a nice job by them. So yeah, we'll see what happens with them. On That was a nice, that's like a Thanksgiving preview too. Nice job out of you. It's all synergy, mm-hmm. the ringer NFL feed. It's all coming together. We'll watch, see what they do on Thursday afternoon against the Bills. All right, my third take. I think you might disagree with this one. Joe Burrow is an elevator at quarterback. And like, we need to start acknowledging him as much going forward. I'm looking at this drive they had on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know the Steelers are not a great team, but they do have TJ Watt back. They have Minka Fitzpatrick. I think their defense will be a little frisky down the stretch. Uh, Bengals lose Joe Mixon in that game. They don't have Jamar Chase. They're up 27-23. They're backed up at their own seven-yard line. Burrow goes back shoulder. To Tyler Boyd. Then Trenton Irwin with a catch and run mm-hmm. for 32 yards. Then Boyd again. Boyd's a nice player. Boyd's not like a number one option player. Then a TD to Samaje Pirine. Three TDs in this game. They go 93 yards in eight plays. And I was just kind of zooming out after that drive After that game, and I think in quarterback discussions now, we generally look at it on a scale of, is this guy lifting everyone up around him, like, say, Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, or are the pieces around the quarterback lifting him up? In a way, we would talk about somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not going to tell you Burrow is as physically gifted as Mahomes or Allen, but Those two guys aside, I mean, I think he belongs in the conversation with any other quarterback in the NFL. When you look at his resume the last two years, I mean, last year, maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL, they go all the way to the Super Bowl. He completes 70% of his passes, averages nearly nine yards per attempt. And then think about the Jamar Chase, you know, losing Jamar Chase. I mean, we see some of these offense. Think if the Eagles lost A.J. Brown or the Dolphins lost Tyreek Hill, or the Vikings lost Justin Jefferson. Now, listen, the Bengals are a little deeper at wide receiver than those teams, I get it. But still, they've scored 79 points in the last two weeks after that ugly performance on Monday night we talked about after that Bengals-Browns game. They've scored 79 points the last two weeks. And if you look at their overall stats, they are a much better offense this year than they were last year. They're fifth in EPA per drive. And I remember the conversation coming into the season they were really reliant on the explosive plays last year. Yes, that was absolutely true. Guess what? If you look at success rate this year, which for those who aren't familiar with it, all it means is if it's third and seven and you get eight yards, that's it tracks that the same as if you got 50 yards. It's just, was this a positive play or not a positive play with EPA? Right now, they're third in success rate behind only the Chiefs and Bill's offensively. So they figured some things out offensively. And I just feel like he's at the heart of everything they do. He's accurate. He's smart. He's tough. He doesn't make the throws that are getting circulated on Twitter and everyone's going gaga about. But when you just watch him do everything right, snap after snap after snap, and fit those throws in and he's not afraid to give his wide receivers chances. I love that about him. I mean he'll throw a back shoulder to Trent Irwin if he needs needs to throw a back shoulder to Trent Irwin. And guess what? A lot of times it works. Uh, and the last thing is, what well, I guess this is a kind of a, a theme of the show is how the teammates respond to him and how much they like him. I mean, I was reading a, a, just an article in The Athletic and Burrow was saying this was one of his most like enjoyable wins as a Bengal. And you see what all the other players are saying. Hey, as long as we have Burrow, uh, we feel like we have a chance. And so uh, I just feel like he and the Bengals are getting slept on. A little this year now they have a very tough schedule so i'm not telling you they're gonna you know win definitely win the afc north but that's a team if they get in they're not going to be afraid of anybody they've done it before and, like, I trust him in playoff games to come through. So uh, I feel like Burrow belongs in that. You know, if you want to put Mahomes and Allen in one category, I, I'm fine with that because physically what they do, uh, it does feel different than everyone else. But anytime there's a conversation about anybody else, I feel like Joe Burrow belongs in that conversation. Okay,
1: yeah. So I I will share my agreements with this take conditional on a clarification.
0: But I am the Ringer's uh, Joe Burrow. Um, yeah. I don't know what the what the word is the mo- most high on Joe Burrow among yeah. Ringer staff. I think you're you're, you're
1: you're on Joe Burrow Island. You're Joe Burrow yes. Stan. Yeah, are you That's familiar right. with Stan? We uh, is that a good a good word for? The yeah, youth? I mean I, yeah, I'm not right. going to
0: use the. Listen, when you're about to turn 40, you're not going to be calling people Stan. But yes, I uh, I you understand don't call the people term. Stan. You say, where okay, did no, it no. even come from? You're a, well, I I don't know the origin. I've always wondered the origin. You're a Joe Burrow Stan. What it where did that come from? All of a sudden, these things just pop up on my Twitter timeline that I'm expected. To understand them or you know, even use them like you said with all of a sudden everyone's saying vibes. Come on, I'm the old, I'm the old Indian uncle of the Ringer NFL staff. I can't be doing all this. So Stan (laughs) is a a blend of stalker and fan. Oh,
1: see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now it's but it's now been contorted to just mean like such an ardent defender of somebody that it goes beyond fandom. That it goes to, I suppose, stand them in that way. Okay. All right. Elevator feels like a made-up word that you are using to just kind of like shoehorn in a Joe Burrow take. I don't know what elevator is.
0: Yeah, it means you elevate the players around you. You're not reliant on everyone else around you being, you can, you can excel under less than ideal circumstances. That's what it means. I, yeah,
1: I have never had an issue with Joe Burrow as an elevator. Joe Burrow is saddled with, in my opinion, poor offensive coaching and has lifted the floor of that for quite some time. However, and this is, I think, a false dichotomy that exists, or I should say something that, that I think NFL fans and quarterback aficionados think is mutually exclusive that isn't, while an elevator, Burrow is also limited, right? Burrow, like, Burrow is a very high-sack player. Part of why he's a high-sack player is because of the way... is because of the same stuff that makes him an, an elevating player, right? Like, Burrow thinks he can always figure out an off a defense pre-snap burrow is uh, on tom brady levels of confidence in his ability to decipher a pressure look decipher a coverage rotation figure out a tendency set a protection get to a hot route yada yada yada, yada, yada. and so when he's wrong he tends to just take it on the chin he doesn't really like, update his 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 analysis post snap necessarily the way that he should burrow also is like a fervent thrower of the matchup right like like one of the reasons why they lose chase and they're they're so comfortable with that they're so easy to rebound from that is because burrow is perfect for t higgins and t higgins is perfect for burrow t higgins is open if there are three people on top of him with handcuffs like like higgins is just an unbelievable matchup player and burrow is a matchup thrower but where's t what route is t on ball will be out on time it'll be catchable you do the rest right and so like that's a
0: skill though
1: and it, it, it is, it is. It, it, that, that that's what I'm saying is like that elevates the offense, right? Like th- there's no way this offense would work with a quarterback who dithers like 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 a yeah, like, who's a good like wants to see it. So like Ryan Tannehill, like it would not work with Tannehill like Lamar. It wouldn't work with Lamar because Lamar wants to see it open, right? So like, no, however, because he does that, there are times when Burrow ends up throwing when other dudes are open over the middle of the field, if he just like went through his progressions, but he doesn't really want to do that. Right. So there's, there's just like, it's the idea that there's always two edges to every sword, which is why, like, I think I'll never argue with you, with you that burrow isn't an elevator. I don't believe that. I think he does elevate the team hundred percent. I very much agree that your point on Jamar chase is critical a lot. Like they're very well suited for it because of T like, I think that in terms of like wide receiver twos in the league, man, like, okay, waddles better. Ayuk is better. I'm running low on guys who immediately stand out as better. You know what I mean? Devonte. Like, like,
0: Devonte, like I would put on that level. Probably. T is better than
1: Devonte. I think. I think. I I like. Uh, I think you can better. have
0: an argument about that.
1: Devonte is a better separator, right? I think like there's like you know like the, those quality just di- Such different players. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, they could not be more. <laughs> <laughs> T, T looks like if you side took Devonte and hit
1: magnify one fifty percent, man. I mean, like it's just big brother, little brother there. I, I probably come at that with some bias because I've been living on T Higgins underrated hill since like the third round I watched him run in the NFL. So I didn't think T was going to be good coming out of college. I was like, he can't like, he'll never separate. And then after like three games, I was like, oh, it's just not going to matter. Is it? It's just he's going to catch everything. We're, we're chilling. Uh, so he's such a fun player. Um, but like the, the the fact that they've survived so much without Chase is, is is to me a huge feather in Burrow's cap. So I'll absolutely give you that one. Uh, he is an elevator. This Bengals team is absolutely 100% one of the better teams in the league. When I go to list Super Bowl contenders, I don't list them. They're probably the first team out. The Cheeto Wuzier injury is the one that really, to me, has me worried, which yeah. is not about your take at all. But when it just comes to, like, general Bengals hype, like, they look so good on, on like, DVOA and, like, EPA per play and, like, offensive defense and they have balance and they figured out some of the Joe Mixon stuff and they're running it a little bit better and they have all these running back touches in the, in the in the red zone. Their running back throw menu is awesome right now. It's been a huge development from that team. So, like, there's so much to like. And then I remember they gave up 23 meaningful points Thirty actually by the end of the game, but twenty-three meaningful points to Kenny Pickett and the Steelers team, and it's just like, mm. if 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 I think Big Lou Lou and Rumer, their DC is the man. If he figures out how to get this defense working in the AFC North and then the AFC playoffs without Cheeto, I he should be the head coach of every team in the NFL at the same time, man, because that 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 that's a big a big ask. And they do have DJ Reader back, which is huge for them. Living without DJ Reader has sucked, uh, but this this Cheeto loss is to me very worrisome. So. Uh, that's the one hangup I have for them right now. Other than that, like if if I, if Cheeto were healthy, given the way they played over the last few weeks, Jamar coming back. I think the Bengals would be your your would be like a legit Super Bowl team in AFC right now. To me, they're right on that cusp.
0: Yeah, that's right. I was initially going to go with that take, and then I was like, "Ooh, that defense hard. did not look great." And and they have the hardest schedule in the. Right. end. I mean, they're going to be playing some big boy teams here the rest of the way, which which is going to be fun. So hopefully, uh, Chase gets back. I hear your point about Burrow with the sacks. Listen, I take the whole package, and I like the whole package. I think uh, I, I just think I'm impressed with the quarterbacks who can perform under less than ideal circumstances. I think that's what you want. I think that's what he's proven and he's only in his third year. This episode is brought to you by State Farm from your morning podcast to your fantasy team. We know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
1: Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now your bits. Feet toes, come on,
0: (sighs) could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test
1: gets a... (sighs) Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant.
0: All right, what do you have for your third take? All right. If you're a
1: regular listener from Extra Point Taking, you'll have heard this one before. If you're new, welcome. Repeating a take? Not really. The Broncos <laughs> should fire Nate Hackett tomorrow. There is nothing to be gained. There's, shield. There's nothing to be gained. Let, 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 all right, let's start at the end and work to the beginning. The Broncos are tethered to Russell Wilson. They, Traded a King's Ransom for him, which firstly creates a sunk cost fallacy. And then secondly, they extended a massive deal. They cannot move off of Russell Wilson for the upcoming 2023 season unless somebody comes calling and says we want to trade for him. I don't know about you. I'm not holding my breath for that phone call from anybody else in the, uh, in, in the rest of the NFL. I right? know. Nobody's doing this. So. No, I
0: mean, even then, he got 124 million at signing. So you would have essentially paid him one year, 124. Yeah, so that's not happening. So sorry. Continue. All right. So I'm stuck with Russ in 2023. Okay. Well, then
1: the number one thing that I, I'm thinking about, if I'm ownership, if I'm the Penn and Walter Pennon, whatever the name of their ownership group, the Walmart people is.
0: Been doing a lot of name dropping with the owners recently. I listened to you on Sunday. I didn't mean to. And then <laughs> oh, it turns out I don't make I any interrupting of the owners. You. Oh, no, you're, go you're good.
1: I, I love interrupting. I interrupt you all the time. And then I'm always like, she'll never interrupt me. What if he doesn't like that I'm interrupting him? I think interrupting on <laughs> pods is great. Anyway, Walter Penner group, yada, yada, yada. If I'm ownership, I'm saying, all right, I'm tethered to Russ. So my next job is figuring out how how to make Russ work. Like, like the, the the number one thing I'm looking at in the building is: Do I have the, uh, a way to make Russ work? Do I have a way to make this to solve this offense, to figure out this problem? Evidence that Nathaniel Hackett is the answer is completely skint. It's totally it's non-existent, and it's non-existent on two levels. Number one, Hackett couldn't do it. Hackett was calling plays for this team to start the season. The Broncos were floundering on offense, never had any solutions. There's a second level to it. Okay, so Hackett can't call the plays. Hackett's offense isn't working, whatever. Well, Hackett gave up play calling, right? Always the sign of the coach who's taken on water. Hackett gave up play calling in his 10th game as an NFL coach. Just, oh, buddy. 11th, excuse me. No, 10th. Yeah, yeah, it's week 11. Hackett gives plays. Who does he give plays to, Shield. Quarterbacks coach. Clint Kubiak. Kubiak. Why is Clint Kubiak the, the quarterbacks coach? Because Hackett doesn't have the ability to pull good coaches into his uh, radius. This is this is such an important part of being a, a head coach. Who do you know? Who are you going to hire? Because if you are a NFL establishment guy, like if you are Andy Reid, then you have a huge coaching tree and you have tons of connections to tons of different people and you're going to be able to not just get guys you know into the building not just like run the old nepotism carousel back but to go find new ideas you're going to be able to Which experiment. they do
0: that too to be fair Who's that? Y- even the coaches who have that they all still have their sons on their staff just and, that, yeah. and that's the thing right? Is that like you're, you're always going to
1: have nepotism So if, if I'm always going to have nepotism firstly I'd like a father and not a son Nate Hackett is a son. He's a product of nepotism. He's not the the genesis of nepotism, right? Like this is like a little bit tongue in cheek, but with Andy, it's like okay, Andy brings his sons. Uh, whatever. I'll deal with his sons being on staff because I get Andy Reid. Versus Nate Hackett's like, oh yeah, his dad's Paul Hackett. Okay, then he just is the guy who is just hanging around on staff. Like that's all he's bringing. And when you go and you look at the Broncos coaching staff, that's what you see. Like Clint Kubiak is another uh, coach's son, right? Like the he is Kubiak has never. You can't say Kubiak has never done anything good as an offensive coordinator because Gary has. Clint has never done anything meaningful as an offensive coordinator, or offensive designer. Justin Outen is the offensive coordinator there. Why is their offensive coordinator not the one who's calling plays? Because he just followed Hackett from Green Bay. That's the only guys that Green Bay knows. Green Bay tried to hire away like Adam Stenovic, who stayed in, in in Green Bay and ended with uh, ended up being the OC there. Like they, they, Hackett did not have the ability to pull guys into his gravity. He's like. When you, it's not like when you hired Hackett, Hackett was like, yeah, and here's this big name offensive coaching staff was going to come with me. He didn't have that. So now you have Clint Kubiak calling plays for Russell Wilson. You know what Clint Kubiak calling plays for Russell Wilson is? Russell Wilson calling plays for Russell Wilson. You're not, you're not, there's no no value add here, right? And when you go and you look at who Russ himself wanted to be his offensive coordinator, he like handpicked Shane Waldron and it lasted for a year in Seattle. Russ doesn't know what Russ needs. You have no guiding force on offense right now at all. On top of this, as we've established, Hackett is a negative add in terms of game management, right? The Raiders get down the field, opportunity to potentially win the game. They're scrambling up to the line 30 seconds, left, they have no timeout. Nate Hackett sprints down the field. You have one of two options here. You have a call a timeout right now, Circle the wagons. Figure out what we're going to do. Have the opportunity to get the ball back with 40 seconds left and go kick a game-winning field goal in regulation. Or you don't call a timeout. You run the clock down on the Raiders and you tell them you're not going to have a lot of you're not going to have all the opportunities. You're going to have to spite the football. You're going to have one less down to try to punch this ball in. Hackett lets 20 seconds run off the clock and then calls a timeout. He splits the difference and in doing so helps the Raiders and hurts his team. Like just can't can't manage a game. So, okay. Hackett's bringing nothing. Oh, I forgot the most important thing. They just waived Melvin Gordon. The player doesn't want to be there. The player was upset with him. He said, we're going to fix this problem. Then he traded for Chase Edmonds in, 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 in the, in the, uh, in the, in the Bradley Chubb trade. And then they're running Latavius Murray off of waivers and they didn't even trade Melvin Gordon at the deadline. And now they're waving him. So the players don't want to be there and the roster management is terrible. Okay. So all this is Nate Hackett. Meanwhile, Ajiro Evero is just pitching gas. I mean, just pitching gas as the defensive coordinator for the Broncos. If the, if the best stat in the world, if the Broncos offense scored 18 points in regulation in every single game, the Broncos would be like 9-1. The, the, the Broncos defense has been immaculate this season. Unbelievable. So, Ajiro Evero's first time in DC. I don't think Evero is going to walk in as a head coach and solve the problem. What I do think is this. If they let Everett leave the building for a head coaching job next year, because they kept Net, Net, they're keeping Nate Hackett, they are allowing the issue to compound. Everybody in the entire world right now is writing the Russ trade is the worst decision a team's made in ten years. Just ruined the Broncos. The Hackett hiring ruined the Broncos. One of the worst decisions. Oh, it's terrible. Nate Hackett Russ hiring set the Broncos back ten years. You want to set yourself back for fifteen? You want to make it work. You want to. You want to just sink the cost and say, "Well, we committed to these guys, and let Evero go become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers next year." It's twice the issue. You just made the same mistake over again. So, I'm not sure Evero's ready to be a head coach. I would. I would fire Hackett tomorrow. I don't see what he does as a head coach. I just don't. And he was hired by a different ownership group. You're clearly going to move on from him because he can't solve the rust problem for you. Promote Evero and give give yourself a seven game, a seven week runway to see if he can keep his head above water as a head coach. There's a chance that he can't. There's a chance that he's not ready. There's a chance he just has to be a DC. That's okay. You give yourself that period of time to see if he can be the head coach for you. And if he can, huge, huge, huge problem solved for you. Because now you get to keep that guy in the building and have a good defense next year. And if you just get average on offense, you'll be a legitimate team. And if not, then you try to keep him as the DC. And if he leaves for a head coaching job, he was going to do that anyway. So you get yourself a chance to run a trial, right? To say, okay, this is what's going to look like with Evero. We'll let Clint Kubiak call the plays. We'll see if there's any way that Evero, with his perspective on football, can help us on offense. But if he just can call the right timeouts, throw the right challenge flags, go for it in the right fourth downs, and the defense doesn't drop off, sign him. Sign him the the moment you can sign him. Be the permanent head coach. Keep one good coach in the building. Solve the rest of the problems. you, You have to see... If if you have a chance of a future with anyone who's in the building right now, the longer you leave Hackett as head coach, the more blind you're making yourself when you enter the 2023 cycle.
0: I think it's a good idea. Their season's over. You know, Hackett can yeah, listen. Hackett "I've said it before. He seems like a nice guy. If he were my neighbor, I feel like that'd be a good situation for me. I, you know, listen. I like my neighbors as is now. But you know, if Hackett joined the neighborhood, I'd be like, okay, there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot nice. of,
1: of, of head oil conversation. A lot of a lot of well, non hair yeah. care." you know, no, which no I always sharing. enjoy.
0: Yeah. I would like to know, does he use the Mach three? Does he go electric? What's his moisturizing plan? How, so yes, not to go on a tangent, but yeah, that would be, uh, and, an, an Three <laughs> for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, if he's going to be gone and we think he's going to be gone, I like that idea. Give Evero a chance. Uh, you know, we, we talked about with Jeff Saturday, minority coaches, not getting the same opportunities, and this would be an opportunity to at least, Hey, get him in there, get it. Let's have him get some experience, gather information. It's a far from perfect situation. So I wouldn't, you know, just be judging it by how he operates in the uh, seven games or whatever they have left. But hiring coaches is really hard. And so you gather information if it's like, hey, this is going really well. The players really responded to him. He's really organized. His game management has been outstanding. Now in the offseason, you know, you can hire a play caller and say, hey, I'm just handing you the keys to the offense. This is your offense. Give me your plan on how you can help help maximize Russell Wilson and get us back on track. And now you have an option going into 2023. So uh, I like your plan, plan I There's, there's really no benefit to staying with Hackett at this point. So
1: if it were the same ownership group that hired him and like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But at this point, like with yeah. how tethered they are to Russ, it's just, you have to find out something, especially like, it's not just like their defense has been good. It's been arguably the best defense in the league. And it's a yeah, completely first, wasted second, season. Third. Yeah, it's it, right there. If, if Everett is anywhere else but in Denver next year, holy smokes, did they mess this up.
0: And, de- and and we talked about this on the scramble last week. Defense can be volatile year to year, but they're bringing back most of their defensive personnel. They've got a lot of good young players. So they're, they don't have like, you know, three major free agents that they're not going to have on defense next year.
1: And while like they are bringing back a lot of good players, and the rust thing was so large and so visible that it probably occluded some of this. It's not like we were sitting here going, you know, the Broncos defense might be like, you know, top, whatever, whatever we, they just get thrown in as an addendum. Right. So they have good young players, but there's a little bit of chicken and egg with like, all right, how good was Baron Browning going to be? If a young DC didn't come in and go, you know, we can rush a 230 pounder off the edge. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's, you know, the, the, the DJ Jones addition, but like they lost Justin Simmons, Caden Stearns goes in there, plays out of his mind. There's, there's there's chicken and egg there. Like they have good young players. They also have a DC who clearly gets it clearly oh, yeah. gets it. And that's a rare thing to have.
0: Yeah. He he's done a fantastic job. One of the best jobs of any coordinator in the NFL, no doubt about it. All right. I'm going to finish this off with the extra point. Simple exercise, Ben. We'll do this quickly. Going into week 12, I think I'm done with 14 teams in regards to making the playoffs. 14, 14 teams I've outlined and said, you know what? It doesn't mean you have to stop paying attention to them. Some of them might have young, fun players. If you're a fan of these teams, you're going to watch them. I get it. It's part of the winter. It's what you do on a Sunday or a Monday. But in terms of looking at the playoff picture, these are the teams I'm done with. When I hit one that you feel like, eh, let's have a conversation or you're not quite sure, stop me. All right. Houston Texans. Yeah, send them. Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carolina Panthers. Yep. Los Angeles Rams. Oh, yes, very much so. Denver Broncos. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Thinking about it, okay. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Cleveland Browns.
1: Yes, obviously, quarterback change incoming, but three and seven at this point. Just not not Yeah. Too, too big of a hell to climb.
0: Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, send them. All right. Now I think we're going to get to some tougher ones to close us out here. Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's they're so irritating because they're so much better than this group of teams. I realized when yes. I was doing the Texans today, the Texans have one win, it's against the Jaguars. They're such a bad team. The Jaguars are suddenly a better team. It's so dumb. But yeah, right at this point you're you're 3 and 7. Like the ro- like it's mathematically possible but the road is is too tall to climb.
0: They're going to be frisky. They're going to get some regre- regression working in their favor and win yeah. some of these games down the stretch. But yes, in terms of playoffs they're out. All right. Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. 4-6 and 1. Defense is really good.
1: I think mean, yeah. Like I that bet- They're like 15-ish percent right now to make the playoffs, I want to say.
0: I have 13.2 percent according to, like, if you do the implied odds from the betting markets, they're at 13.2 percent. I'm done with them. That team stinks. Give me a break. They're not going to the playoffs. Defense has played well, yes.
1: All those odds you pull out are going to be too low, though, because the sportsbook's taking big out, right?
0: uh this is this is a conversation I, about
1: betting markets for a different time yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. too confusing
0: yeah all right all right so i've got three more here i think one of them you're definitely gonna say no on so let me save that one for last uh new orleans saints yeah gone no
1: absolutely i've been out on the saints <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm gone all right. baby yeah
0: yeah i knew you were gone on the saints all right last two green bay packers four and seven Four and seven, 15.2% chance after that loss Thursday
1: night. Their problems ain't going away. Last one Detroit Lions. (laughs) No, I'm not out. I'm not out. No. All right. All right. So
0: there you go. All right. So you have
1: 13. Yeah. I'm looking at 538. They're at a 12% chance. But that's the thing is like Lions versus Packers, like the Lions' problems are going away. The Packers' problems are continuing to accumulate. Like even if like, like, oh, they just beat Dallas. Yeah. But like watch them play. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like they. Rodgers is not executing the offense. The offensive line is not playing at quality. Their defense has has tried to make the necessary changes. Like I, I, I will tip my cap to Joe Barry, who has experimented with doing different stuff. But they're simply not playing up to the caliber of of individual players that they've got there. The amount they've they've invested, in. and to me, like those those issues aren't going away. Versus Detroit, where like we said, like Detroit's four and six, they're they're average by DVOA. This, you know, flip two coins. This team six and four. So this they to me, they, this team has kind of solved their problems more. So it's uh, this game against the bills is going to be very interesting. The bills have not been great over the last couple of weeks. Josh Allen is, is leaving the door open because he just is this, this elbow injury is clearly affecting him on a snap, snap basis. So like. Di- I've been looking at Detroit plus nine and a half a lot <laughs> for this Thursday game, man. At home, good vibes. You know, Amon Ross healthy. It's it's tricky. So this Bills game is going to tell us a lot. They probably lose it. It's four and seven, and at that point, you know, you you kind of add that loss. You basically have to win the Minnesota game to stay alive. Like it's a very tough ask. But if they keep that Bills game close, I think that the lines again they're going to be hanging around in that playoff picture. So I'm not ready to discount them just yet.
0: All right, there you go. I've got 14 teams. teams. Goodbye. It's been a uh, nice don't you. Don't worry. We'll still talk about you on Extra Point Taken about what you're going to do in the offseason. I just don't think you're uh, a factor for the playoffs. Ben's got 13 teams. That'll do it. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving and we will talk to you next Monday night.